In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. And welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode... (laughs) I keep getting tripped up on these three numerals together. This is 113. 113. Uh Uh-huh. 113. (laughs) Correct. And the name of this episode 113 is about damn time. It is about damn time. It's about damn time. I figure out how to say three numbers in a row. I mean... What what is my issue there, do you think? I don't know. It's something about the one. If it was like a two o three, yeah, maybe that's it. One one three. Well, and also when it's in the teens, still it's weird. Yeah. Like one one three, one hundred thirteen. I can get there. It's, Listen, it's I'm a forty four year old woman, and I don't know how to say one one three. <laughs> well, to be fair, when in your life have you ever had to say that out loud? Very. I'm it's probably a, not since like second grade. Probably not since yeah. I was reciting numerals exactly as a child. Exactly. So yeah. Well, I mean, technically we're calling this my pick, but it was actually your idea, the last theme. Well, we, we did can a count this one. as a mutual That's pick what I think. Because yeah. it comes from our patron saint, Lizzo. And it was, if you haven't seen the video for this, yeah. please go watch it. I would tell you it features a stressed and sexy support group, which in and of itself... I loved every second of that. Yeah. And it's just Lizzo in every best possible way that mm-hmm. Lizzo could be. And mm-hmm. it's everything you want in a Lizzo song. And it was about damn time we heard from Lizzo. It we was. We needed it. We needed it. We did. We needed it more than we even knew. But what did you like about this song in particular, Erin? I think I liked the message. I liked yeah. the idea of, you know, coming back better, coming back stronger. I liked that. Especially knowing that she's 
you know, definitely had ups and downs in terms of the public eye and mm -hmm. how people perceive her to be. What I really liked about the video was the idea that she, like they downplayed her makeup and yeah. outfit and stuff at the beginning. Like she just sort of appeared as, as regular as you can for a... If you're Lizzo. Yeah, yeah. if you're Lizzo. Yeah. And then, you know, of course we got the flashy outfits and stuff later. But I loved that too, because mm -hmm. I thought it went well with the song. And I would say some people would probably think that's a risk. Like I don't want to show myself that way yeah but and it's just i don't know what it is about her but those songs just make me feel good they make you feel damn good so good yeah i like the idea that she says basically to the effect of like i've been through some stuff and and now i might be better i might be know? better i like too that the way she says it i might be better yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna commit that i am because i don't i don't <laughs> want to possibility any ideas yeah i don't want you to have expectations of me being better because i might still i might not be great be fine yeah but i'm working on it yeah and that's what i like also yeah uh, we all know what my parenting style is i watched this with mason <laughs> <laughs> and he got done and he said that was amazing oh and then he's like we need to watch it again and he wanted he was like he wanted it on a loop yeah i mean obviously a he's your child yeah and mm -hmm. b he is just a treasure that needs to be protected at all costs i know yeah i know he loves lizzo as much as we do he knows all the words to the song which is wonderful yes and i i play the unedited version so yes he sings along but you know what my eight-year-old is smart enough to know not to say those words at school and if you're going to learn those words you might as well learn them from lizzo in context of because she uses them properly yes yes <laughs> yes well, I liked this idea as a theme. Yeah, too. it's so great. Living through some shit, maybe mm -hmm. being better for it. Yes, I might be better. Might be better. Again, no expectations. It's actually kind of a really great passive-aggressive way to answer something. Like, hey, I really don't like it when you do that. You know what? I'll work on that. I might be better. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I can see your point. And That's a check good... in next week. I might be better. Yeah. No promises promises and also i don't want to give you the satisfaction of committing no. to being better no because you're probably no. wrong about whatever you're saying yeah yeah i like that you're right i might be better that's a good comeback mm -hmm. so aaron got mm -hmm. a question for you yeah thinking about the idea of about damn time mm -hmm. i imagine this may hit different for different aged listeners agreed right mm -hmm. so what do you think does it mean something different for if you're in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, so on? Yes. Yeah. I think it's a it's a great anthem anywhere, but I feel like in your 20s, it's like about damn time is relating to like, oh, we got to get to the club. or like I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, yeah. we got to get our drinks. Our drink order better about come time. now. Why did that pizza not come yet? <laughs> Didn't we order it like an hour and a half ago? Meanwhile, I've been waiting like for minutes. this beer for 30 minutes. Forever. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to get the club and dance to this yes. song. Like, that's your first thought in your 20s. Is like, I can't wait to hit the dance floor. And then it's about damn time that here I am on the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, here I yeah. am. It's mm -hmm. about damn time. It's Thursday night during the week and I'm out partying. Like <laughs> 1 a.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I would say in your 30s, it's more like life goals, career. Yeah. You know, you're more focused on like, okay, I think I'm supposed to be buying a house or I'm mm -hmm. supposed to be getting promoted. So it's about damn time, you know, I do some of these things. I feel like... In your 40s, mm -hmm. speaking from, you know, experience as we have, 
I feel like you're sitting in your truth a little more. Mm -hmm. So you're saving this for really important things. Mm. Like you're not just about damn timing everything. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You're like, oh, first female in the Oval Office, about About damn damn time. time. Mm Mm-hmm. That type of thing. So you're parsing it out for the things that really yes. merit it. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You're not just using it all the time because mm-hmm. you're also old enough to know that there's going to be a lot of things that are just disappointing. Constantly disappointing. Yeah. A That's lot of phrases where this won't apply. No. No. Most of the time, political news is yes. not about damn time. Right. It's the antithesis. It's like, please don't let this happen again. Right. Yeah. And then uh, you could say it, you know, when somebody comes around to the right thought process. Like, oh, I realized something. You could say about damn time. But the problem is, is now in the society that we're in, and particularly over the last week, it feels like I can't even say about damn time Mm -mm. because you're late. (laughs) You are so late. You're late. Why is your outrage just now? Why? Why? We've seen this coming for a long time. Yes. Yes. And in case you haven't guessed, we're talking about the leaked Roe v. Wade yeah. opinion. Yeah. And like we had a discussion prior to this about how all these men that we know are yes. getting, which is great. I appreciate the outrage, you know, pour it's it great. into Absolutely. the, you know, Planned Parenthood, those types of groups that need it. But it feels like this is a surprise to them. Yeah, it does. And it's very, my reaction was disappointment at that. Yeah. Disappointment at the outrage that felt like, oh my God, we never knew this was happening. Right. They're acting like this leak was the craziest thing. You're acting like the leak came and said, we know exactly who killed Kennedy and we've been hiding it forever. And everyone's like, this is new information. Right. This is not brand new information. First of all, we knew this case was coming up. Yes. Second of all, if you haven't been paying attention in the past few years to Supreme Court nominees and placements... You knew this was coming. And we have been telling people this has been coming for years as politics has been happening in this way. So it means that also you haven't been listening to us. Right. And I just, I hate to, I hate to do this. I'm going to, you go backwards, (laughs) you know, and, and we had Supreme Court hearings or, you know, placement hearings and we're asking questions about, you know, do you like beer? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. The important stuff. Then we get. An honest to God, good candidate. A and damn we genius. ask things like, are babies racist? <laughs> and I'm sorry, but. I forgot about that. Here that, we that are. Was, yeah. Here, Here we are. We if you are, are surprised that we are taking steps backwards, yep. Yep. I implore you to. To see the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Look around. Yeah. Also, one of the things that I really love this week is Republicans' indignation. At the leak. Yes, not, not at, the at the news. We will prosecute <laughs> to the fullest extent of the law. Like Ted, I saw an interview or a clip of Ted Cruz. And he's oh like, God. that person should spend years. And he emphasized years multiple times in jail. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so that's the priority. Not so much. Insurrection is fine. But leaking, leaking some news that we already knew was coming. Yeah. That deserves years in jail. Uh-huh. Great. Trust has been violated. And what I wanted to say to him is like, I hate to tell you this, Ted Cruz, but whoever did that, and when they do find out, that person's name is going to be in every history textbook. And with any luck and any amount of answering of prayers, yours won't appear anywhere. Oh, God, that'd be wonderful. So, Can we just forget he ever existed? I mean, what's he done that's even history making? He's not going to be. It's Besides like, throwing his daughters under the bus. Yeah. yeah. His, his, he hasn't done anything in his tenure that's going to be in like a general that's history a book. That's a good point. 
but this person probably is gonna probably. be and i say hats off to you yeah whoever, whoever you, you are. are i hope it's like a janitor or something that just went into an office and was like this is gonna be good i hope we just find out that it was like a mistake and brett Kavanaugh oh. just accidentally <gasps> faxed it to one of his friends that makes more sense yeah yeah like, like he it. was like sending yeah. it as a joke like uh-huh. check it out what yeah. i'm doing anti-abortion kicker <laughs> this weekend <laughs> like let's have some beer yeah we like beer i like beer <laughs> Love you, Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went on a little road there, but we did. There it is. It was important. Yeah, you expected a, to hear from us on that. I think it's about damn time you believed us and what we've been saying about this yes. for years. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so coming back stronger. Let's, we like yeah. the maybe. Yes. Do you have an experience that m- made you feel stronger but was difficult at the time? Generally, age, like <laughs> everything. Everything in life mm-hmm. feels hard, mm-hmm. and then over time you realize it's it's making you stronger, right? Yeah. But I think specifically, every rejection I've ever got for writing. Oh. Right? Yeah. It sucks so much. Yeah. And the accumulation of that rejection sucks so much. And yeah. me, I'm a very organized person, so I keep everything in Excel sheets. And once you start looking at the quantity oh. of rejections, it gets very overwhelming and sure, depressing sure, right yeah but you know over time like you you realize that makes you a stronger writer yeah. you realize it makes you more resilient as it's hard as that is yeah uh you realize you just gotta keep going and trying new ways and, and i'm still getting rejected constantly yeah and it still sucks and you just gotta keep going and hopefully making me stronger and yeah. at the same time that's a good example <sighs> can't lie it doesn't feel great and there's been many times just a random rejection for really something I didn't care that much about <laughs> comes in at the wrong moment. Oh, like you're checking your email yeah. just in a moment where you're feeling vulnerable uh-huh. about other things. And that hits you. That comes into your inbox. And you're like, I want to burn everything to the ground. Yeah. I want to leave this house and just run off into the wilderness uh-huh. and let the cats, you know, become king of this territory yeah well they're gonna take over yeah Yeah. they're gonna claim this as their own yeah yeah so i can get there that's Mm -hmm. where i go yeah yeah i can see that but you know Mm -hmm. hopefully stronger right yes so back to lizzo oh gosh national treasure (laughs) (laughs) uh there's an excellent line about it's wait what is it something gorilla clock yeah it's It's thick thick 30 right i love it come on great so so on brand for yeah. Lizzo, right mm-hmm. and also on brand for the body neutrality movement which mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about yes so much what do you think is one of the most surprising things you've learned about diet culture in the last few years uh i think that for me the most surprising part is it's kind of two parts one it's how much it permeates like it's in everything everything and like even with all the reading and all the talking we've done and all the, you know, sources that we've um, looked at, I still know that my brain defaults to certain things. Absolutely, it does. And I consider myself to be a somewhat savvy consumer, but I can tell you that I'm going to call it big nutrition instead of big pharma. Oh, I like it. Pulled one over on all of us because all these like really strong held truths that we believed about weight and relation to uh, sickness, relation to illness, relation to sleep, Pat, all this stuff was funded by companies like Jenny Craig Mm -hmm. and Weight Watchers that had a vested interest in getting you to buy their product, which 
I feel like nowadays we're so much smarter about that. Like we're like, well, who funded that study? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. Like we don't want to believe things that could very well be true. Like I don't believe that bees pollinate flowers. I don't believe that climate change is real. Yeah, exactly. Without and tons of evidence. Mm-hmm. But this we just blindly accept. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I That is still shocking to me. It is shocking that you're right. It permeates absolutely everything. Everything. And the... It, permeates like marketing campaigns for products that have no nothing to do with it i've also like when i'm re-watching shows for example that (laughs) you know i mean as a culture we've probably advanced over the years right like re-watching lost for example Uh and the amount of fat jokes they make about hurley each time i'm like wait what Uh first off did jorge garcia sign off on this this amount of fat jokes this seems (laughs) Like, did he sign up right. for this continual yeah. like rejection and abuse? And also, just it's lazy. It's lazy it writing, lazy. but it's always there, and yeah. it's always supposed to be played for laughs. Uh-huh. And so, even like a phenomenal show like Lost falls prey to that kind of stuff, right? Hundred percent. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Just everywhere. We're, I've told you that we're rewatching. Well, I'm rewatching it. Mike never saw The Office. So we're rewatching it from the beginning, but I'm having the same experience. I mean, that started long enough ago that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's great. It's good to see the progress, but it's still. How- it also reminds you like, oh, it reminds me of like, I used to believe that not so long. Yes. Ago. I used to, you know, think that way not so long ago. Yes. And yikes, that's yes. rough. It is. Yeah. And it also reminds you of like how much we have to progress still like how much of that is still so ingrained Mm -hmm. and so part of the conversation even when it's not supposed to be or even when it's like underneath you know I especially this time of year I feel like you know weather changing you always see this but it was from um Emily uh I lost her last name burnout Uh, oh Nagowski Nagowski yeah yeah. that she has that quote that's like there's no such thing as a summer body it's the bikini uh, industry complex that's been gaslighting you all these years it's like yes exactly Mm -hmm. and it that's why we need more of Lizzo people like Lizzo Lizzo. we need more of Lizzo yes keep reminding us that that's not the way that it has to be that it's always thick 30 Mm mm-hmm but thinking about that, I mean, that's a lot to put on one person, I recognize, yeah. that I just laid at your feet. Lizzo, it's all your responsibility now. Do it. Yep. And we, and that's also what I liked about this song, because mm. there's this assumption about her that she's sort of impervious to criticism right. or doesn't care. And I like that this song is kind of saying, it's not that I, it gets to me, Absolutely. but I'm just still trying. Yeah. So I think that we kind of assume that strong people are always strong. hmm but two things can also be true at the same time. And usually are. Yes. What are two conflicting truths about you? I think that I am confident and that I am insecure. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I have always been confident in the fact that I knew I never wanted to have kids. Yeah. I was very secure in that fact mm-hmm. from a pretty young age. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much pushback I got from people, and I've gotten a lot of pushback from people, mm-hmm. people I know and random strangers, um, over time, that's never wavered. Like, I knew that that was something about me. Both that I didn't want to have kids and that I didn't want to get married either. Like, right. I just didn't want either of those. Pretty much everything else, I'm very insecure about my choices, about, like, right. the things that I need to do. And I recognize that some of that 
um, you know, now that I know that I'm autistic, I recognize that some of that is like this internalized voice of what I should be doing. You know, you can't sure. be too different. You yeah. can't be too weird, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But then I know a lot of it is just being a woman too, where we are constantly told you need to do this, you need to do this, you need mm-hmm. to do this. And usually it's contradictory. So you don't know what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. It's weird because we raise um, females to have this sort of ingrained like are you sure yes and we raise males to be like you don't have to have evi- any evidence plow ahead and you don't Full have steam. to be prepared for yeah. this job just you got take it. it you, you got, got it. it run go be free you just need a good attitude yeah 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 maybe you don't you're have a good to have trier one. you'll yeah. get you'll be fine <laughs> you'll be fine yes you'll be fine yeah and so i think so many things contribute to that mm-hmm. but you know no matter how confident you may be in some areas of your life you can still be very insecure at the same time. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. truths that coexist. That coexist in the same person. And they're contradictory. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I'm a human being. <sighs> Should we just end there? That's it. This week. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the and end part. And we're out. I'm a human being. And I'm a Peace human being. Out. Happy reading. <laughs> I like See it. See you on the flip side. Now let's go ahead and talk about Maybe some books. Maybe I'll be better. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Don't hold your breath. I mean, really yeah. no promises. So, good theme. Yes. Lots to uh, think about So here. much to dig into. So much to dig so into. Much. So, for fiction, mm-hmm. I went to one of my favorites, Margaret Atwood, mm. and her book from 2001 called The Blind Assassin. Oh, yes. This is a very cool, layered, like really interesting structure book and a big book to sink into. So if you're looking for one of those, here you found it. So Iris is our main character. And she starts the book by saying that her sister Laura drove her car off a bridge a few days after World War II ended and she died. Mm. And that was quickly ruled an accident. Then we shift to a book within a book called The Blind Assassin. And it's a story about two lovers meeting in secret. And while they're meeting, the man starts telling sci-fi stories to his lover that sort of illustrate what they're going through. So there's Mm. all these layers of story happening already, right? And that book, we learned, that book within a book, The Blind Assassin, was written by Laura. And it became a cult classic. So people around the world, you know... go to Laura's grave constantly and lay flowers on her grave for this, you know, classic Uh book. And so much so that Iris, late in her life, is still continually fielding awards and recognition on Laura's behalf. Which is kind of complicated because she knows that her sister Laura was very tortured. Mm. And she knows a lot of other secrets, too. So we start digging into Iris's backstory. She was the daughter of a very wealthy man in Canada who married off his daughter to another wealthy dude so Mm. that they could consolidate their fortunes. Yes. And, of course, that guy turns out to be a major asshole. That's surprising. Yeah. Who lies, who isolates Iris, and does some shady stuff with Laura. We also meet a communist sympathizer and revolutionary who both the sisters grow attached to and they hide at some point from the authorities as well. And we're moving forward and backward in time to assemble this whole picture of the two sisters, of the war, the men in their lives, and where this book came from, as well as getting to read this Mm -hmm. book, The Blind Assassin. And there's so many structures. There's that book, there's newspaper clippings, there's the transcripts, there's the narrative, and there's a lot of major twists along the way too. 
And I chose it for this theme because so for much of the book, we're in Iris's head in present day as mm-hmm. an old woman. And she's looking back in time and using her years of experience to tell a true story of the events that up to this point have been sort of shrouded in lies and shrouded in mystery. Mm-hmm. And she's decided it's time. Yeah. We got to tell everything. And there's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of estrangement in her life. There's been betrayal. But she also, by living through this all, has become a whole person where before she was just someone that other people ordered around. Mm -hmm. And so there's sadness in discovering that, in owning yourself, but there's also a chance to finally tell their tell your truth. So it's it's a really engrossing story that, you know, fits along this theme and also is just super unique in the way that it's told. too. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love the different. You know, I was just thinking that if someone was new to Margaret Atwood, mm-hmm. that you could go back through our catalog on the ones you've recommended, and that would be a good place to start. Indeed. So just, you know, VIP tip there. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when it's like tips that are very obvious and then you somehow very create obvious, but like a mystique. Yeah, it may it. be obvious, but I'm a Margaret Atwood fan. Yes. And always have been. Uh-huh. And I've recommended a number of her books. Yeah. And I have more still on the list. But I think that's great. That'd yes. be a great way to deck. Because, you know, right. sometimes people want to get into something, but the catalog's so big yes. or they think, oh, is there Don't an order or am I exactly. supposed to read certain things? Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Well, my fiction pick this week is called Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. Hmm. And this was published in March 2022. And the book starts with a question. What if you didn't have to live with your worst memories? Oh, shit. Yes. So this is oh. the conflict at the heart of this book. Nor, who is a psychologist working at a memory revival clinic in London. And they conduct a process that allows them to only delete a bad memory you want to forget. Oh. When you come out of the procedure, you have no memory of the memory or the procedure. And they've worked with medical clinics, all this stuff. It's basically hidden from you. Like you would have no way to find out that this happened. Oh my God. So that it's completely erased, right? So a landmark lawsuit has gone through the courts and it's put the clinic on its heels because they're now required to notify thousands of people that they chose to have a memory removed, and if they would like it back, they can have a procedure to have the memory returned. Oh, my God. So there's all these out like outcrying, like, what do I do? Like, should I have it? I mean, the old me obviously took it out for a reason, yeah. but what is it? Does this Is this some defining part of me I'm missing? So from there, we follow characters that are grappling with this decision. Like, why did I choose that? Or in, is this... Do memories make up my personality? Mm-hmm. There's all these kind of philosophical questions at the heart of this. So first we follow Finn, whose wife receives the notification that she had a memory removed. And they didn't speak about it. So he has no idea what it is. And Ooh. she has no idea what it is. And they're struggling to decide if they're going to, if she's going to go through with it and give it, get it back. Uh he suspects it's that she had an affair. Yeah, and so his mind thought. is going crazy because he's adding all these scenarios of things that could be. And she's struggling with the idea, like, I, I don't want it for a reason, but I don't know what that reason is because I have no basis. Then we follow May, who's a troubled grad school dropout, who is starting to have little flashes and visions of a place that she doesn't have any memory of visiting. Oh, my God. And so she's starting to think, that there's something going on and that she's trying to get the memory back naturally. She's trying to retrace and see if she can get it back. 
William, a former police officer, is struggling with PTSD. And it's ruining his marriage. It's ruining his family life. And it started with a, a murder or a, a death that wasn't really all that shocking. It shouldn't have been the thing that sent him over the edge. But he has this gnawing feeling that it was triggering something else. But he doesn't know what it is. Oh, God. So he doesn't know if he should, you know, get the memory back or not. And complicating his is that he's a police officer, and so there were certain laws around it that they, if they were involved in a case, they couldn't have it removed. So he convinces himself it's not about a case because then he wouldn't have been able to have so it removed. So he broke the so law. Yeah. He's like, he thinks it might be his dad. He's going through all kinds of things, and it's driving his wife crazy. Like they're both oh just God. struggling. We follow Oscar, who's this super handsome guy that travels the world. Really has no idea who he is. He's got mountains of money. He knows that he has money, like crazy amounts of money. He can go anywhere he wants. But he feels like he's on the run and he doesn't know why. And he's super <gasps> paranoid. Every time he sees people, he's like, should I be running? Is that is this the time that the other shoe drops? So this book is twisty, but it's also incredibly touching. Um, I'll be honest, I cried at multiple points, especially as some of these stories come to conclusions. And I think it raises so many interesting questions and not just about like technology and advances, but also just about what we fundamentally believe makes up a person or molds Mm. a person. Because we put a lot of value in the idea that even bad things make us better. Like, hey, I might be better. But then there's a lot of people that say, yeah, but a lot of us are tortured by horrible things. So what if we could remove yeah, that? Yeah, what if we had that choice? Yeah. And, and could live without the feeling or without those strings. So I picked for this theme because all of the characters have gone through things that made them stronger in a lot of ways. But some of them don't know where the strength came from or don't know if they would be stronger if they had a chance to know it. Or if this is the best version of themselves, what they're looking at right now. So I tore through this book. I loved it. And I thought it was such an interesting premise. In a weird way, it doesn't sound that far off. Like it, it wouldn't totally be. It totally doesn't. wouldn't be that. Um, there's some other characters in there that play a part that are really interesting and bring up a lot of questions. It's a, like anything else, there's some money issues involved and, you know, corporate greed. So it is... It's twisty, but it, it stuck with me. Like, I thought a, about it a lot. That sounds amazing. I'm yeah. going to put that on my list. Yeah. And you're right. Like, everything everything about that. Like, what is your identity if you don't have some of the memories that yeah. make you up? Right. And and they all know that it's negative because uh-huh. they had it removed. Yeah. So they're all aware that it's something that they didn't want to remember. So it's also that thing, like, how much do you trust your old self? Uh-huh. Like, have and you can grown? you handle the curiosity of not knowing? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Have you grown enough as a person that the person now would make a different decision? Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. It's... Would you have memories removed? I don't know. I, I've really After thought about this. it. Yeah, yeah, I struggle because I tend to be in the camp that like, oh, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger yeah. type of thing. But we often say that because we don't have a choice too. like mm-hmm. we have to yeah, find a way I, to exactly. rationalize mm-hmm. some of the bad shit that's happened to us because we can't. I mean, sometimes I think our mind does that work for us. It blocks things out that yeah. we don't want to remember. But mm-hmm. yeah, and that's um. Uh, uh, not Oscar, William's wife, that's her her argument a lot, is like you need to do traditional routes, go to therapy, talk, mm-hmm. like do what you can do without having to have things removed. Yeah. Because w- before he gets a notification, he's considering having 
the memory of this last crime that he worked on removed because oh. he doesn't understand that he had something else previously removed because he has no memory of it. And then he gets this notification from the clinic that he already had something removed. So now he's like in a double kind of, wow, like, what do I do with this? And where do you stop too? like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, how we categorize what's good and bad mm-hmm. in our memories is so relative anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. I really... I, I was very propulsive because you really want to know. I mean, mm-hmm. you get curious yourself, but you're also just sort of left with the same feelings they have. The whole yeah. time that the characters are talking, you're like, yeah, what are you going to do? I can see a problem if you had your memories removed. And that is you would show up to a recording session one day and I wouldn't realize that you had removed something. And then I start talking about it and you are completely flummoxed. Yeah. You have no idea what I'm talking about. And then our podcast has to come to an end. And then it's over. Why would I have the podcast? That'd be terrible. It wouldn't be a bad memory. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But maybe there'd be something that we've talked about before that That's, you have cut oh, out of your memory. Yeah. And then sud- and I'm w- like Heavesgate. You yeah. have cut Heavesgate out of your mind. Yes. And so then I tried to remind you of it. And you're like, I don't know what the hell you're talking, you're talking about. And I refuse to continue. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Why would you say that about me? Mm-hmm. I have never puked for straight for 24 hours. There's also a discussion there about like kind of the spectrum of bad memories. Yeah. Like Nora, the psychologist that works there at one point is considering kind of unethically asking another person to just take out a memory of someone that she used to date because she's exactly. tired of thinking yeah. about it. But it's not really like it's this. It's not necessarily bad. Right. Horrible thing. And then you have other things, you know, that are way further on the spectrum that's a good point too like what if you just start taking that to the things that just cause you pain that aren't necessarily bad but mm-hmm. yeah a grief mm-hmm. you know like maybe you cut out memories of someone that's died but that person had a big impact on your life and, right oof. Mm-hmm. Sounds and it's weird to think it would be completely gone because yeah. no one has any idea that you had it removed Ugh. so especially if it's something that you've just held inside and never you know shared yeah yeah it's a it's a whirlwind. It's Honestly, a- it could have been another 300 pages and I would have just kept going. I will be checking into our backlist. I can tell you that. Excellent. Because it was a doozy. Well, even though you've already read it, I'm adding that to my list. Yeah, so you should. I thought it. of you quite a yeah. few times that you would like it. Yeah. I love the sci-fi mm-hmm. aspect as well as the yeah. what that means for humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for other genre pick, I've got an equally sort of mind-blowing one and like propulsive and all the things. It's called Blow Your House Down, A Story of Family, Feminism, and Treason by Gina Frangello. And this came out in 2021. Have you heard about this? Yes. Okay. Um, So right off the bat, Gina tells us that she is, this is a memoir, by the way. Uh And she tells us that she is an adulterer. And because she's a woman, she is so much more guilty than a man. Imagine yep. that. Yeah. And so we learned that Gina grew up in a poor and violent neighborhood in Chicago. And when we pick up her story, she's actually living back in that neighborhood. She's in her 40s. She's taking care of her children, um, her husband, and her ailing parents. So mm. she's part of that sandwich generation, right? Yeah. Like you got both ends going. And life is going on, as it does, for women sort of giving constant constant caregiving, mm-hmm. you know, um, where she's kind of effectively erased, And then her best friend dies and something shakes loose for her. And there's a guy that she's been emailing, someone that uh, she knows professionally, but who over the years she's grown very close to. And they start a very intense affair. And as she connects with this new man, she starts to a few things. She starts to see and understand her husband 
as a little bit different. She starts to really understand the violent outbursts that he's prone to and the anger that's always there and this weird men's group that he's a part of and comes home like spouting stuff as and she knows that he he loves her tremendously but he also hurts her a lot Mm. and so she hadn't really because of how she grew up she hadn't really thought much about that that's just how he is kind Mm -hmm. of thing and of course as affairs happen it's found out Mm -hmm. of course and it blows up her life but that is just the beginning of the story because then her parents start worsening in their health she herself gets sick with breast cancer her husband starts lashing out in some really public and twisted ways and her lover descends into depression and it's all this powder keg that keeps building and building and building until it threatens to either implode or explode out and make things potentially even worse So it's this intense and so well-written and beautiful memoir. I love how it's organized, too. And I think it sort of also examines, like, how we as women are sort of caged by these stories that we have to sacrifice ourselves. We have to erase ourselves. We have to just sort of live with violence Mm -hmm. and and how... um, how you might choose a different path. Mm-hmm. So I chose it for this theme because she goes through it. Um, she thought she'd created this idyllic life, mm-hmm. happy family, you know, close with her parents, um, very far from what she grew up with still, but then it all comes crashing down, you know, and, but then she comes out of it and she's learned a lot from it. And I think there is something to be said. It's a tricky thing to say that all the bad things that have happened to you have made you stronger because then that sort of minimizes the things that maybe you've lived through, right? Right. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to belittle some of the really bad shit that you've been through. Absolutely. But because we have no other choice, we can't erase our memories. We have to sort of tell ourselves stories about how it has made us stronger. And I'm sure in many cases it has. And, you know, if we don't learn from those experiences, then life may not be all we want it to be right right? yeah and so this is this is a story like that and you you may or may not expect the ending it's uh it was just a it was a wild ride but it was also really really deep and thoughtful and and i got a lot out of it oh it sounds amazing yeah see now i'm gonna put that on my list See, there you go yeah yeah well uh for my other genre pick i am gonna recommend the 90s by Chuck Klosterman. Oh, boy. Yeah, this was just published in February. And you know, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Yes. I always pick up his new one. And when I found out he was writing one and then releasing one about the 90s, uh-huh. I was like, come on, that yeah. is it. And it did not disappoint. Excellent. It is a collection of essays. And in, you know, true fashion, he manages to tie a lot of like pop culture iconic moments in the 90s. With the knowledge that it might actually, in a lot of ways, be the single most remarkable decade in terms of societal change. Hmm. Because he said uh, people kind of of our generation are straddled the biggest changes in society that any other generation had. And one of the simple uh, examples he gives are how we got music. We started out, it was tapes. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't you had to make a mixtape off the radio or whatever it progressed to cds that's not that big of a change you're still getting a physical thing that you're getting music on and even the tape isn't that big of a change from a record right or from an eight track or like all of those things it's just a physical thing you're buying the whole album it's a process you go to a store you buy it bring it home but then from the cd we started jumping to things like the ipod Mm -hmm. and then jumping to things like 
Spotify and streaming services, and that's all within our lifespan. So when you think that we started out with cassette tapes, and now we just have music, you know, and even how downloading music started. I mean, you paid per song. It, it's an interesting way to look at that decade. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of examples across that. Another one that he gives is like how many of us sat at home. Like we couldn't leave because we were waiting for a phone call. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Waiting for the landline to ring. And now yeah. we live in a generation where you take your phone to the bathroom. Uh-huh. Like it's on you all the time. It's absurd it. yeah. to think that you wouldn't be reachable. So much so that even now, like when we're on vacations and stuff, work any place can always reach out because mm-hmm. you have that device right there. But that all happened within our generation and time frame. So... He kind of is, the way that he ties that together is really interesting. It's also fun because it's nostalgic in a lot of ways to think back at some of the big moments that now don't seem that big of a deal compared to, you know, what happens today. But when you look back on it with a different lens and you're older and you're like, geez, that was wild (laughs) when you think about it. So I loved it. I think that, you know, there's so many great examples that you're going to think, oh, yeah, like that makes sense. Like. You know, if you're not home on Thursday night to see Seinfeld, you just missed you're it. screwed. Yeah. You didn't have DVR. A lot of people didn't even have VCRs to record it. And what's interesting about that is that he said statistically, Seinfeld episodes still have like the highest number of viewers, like bigger than most TV that's huge now because everything's on demand. Yeah. So we can watch it whenever. So all the numbers are fractured. Yeah. Yeah. And when it was that, like there was no replay Mm -mm. of that Seinfeld episode. You saw it then or you didn't see it. And there's so many things that you kind of forget because we've just moved forward. So he writes about films, music, sports, TV, politics, and all kinds of changes regarding race, class, and sexuality. And it's all within these essays that kind of, you know, divide those into different parts. Um, I picked this for this theme because I think to fully understand your own personal strength, you kind of have to understand where you came from. Yes. And you kind of have to understand sometimes your roots like how does that play a part in who you are and some of your preconceived notions i think we have to know where we come from sometimes just to overcome bias so we understand that like maybe that wasn't good information i got back then like yes that's ingrained in me but maybe it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. so i think uh also i liked it because of this line like i might be better it's just it fits like i might be better from the 90s i might not i don't know (laughs) here we are but also because if someday you know it probably won't be Chuck Klosterman, but somebody wrote a book about, you know, 2020. I would imagine Lizzo would feature. Lizzo would feature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She would be a shining moment. Yeah. In the 2020s. Much better than, say, I don't know, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's entertaining. It's thought provoking. And it's the best kind of nostalgic all in one. That's fantastic. It does feel like there's this huge 90s like nostalgia mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And, and maybe it's even shifting into early 2000s, you know, as the younger people get uh, yeah. older. But yeah, I mean, even in fashion and everything else. So it is, it's very topical. It's very timely. Yes. He talks, some of the ones about politics are so interesting. If you think about, you know, we're so used to having 24 our news cycles and things hitting Twitter and the internet all the time. So you can get things on demand, boom, boom, boom. So things can change in an hour, but that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. And so when he talks about nineties politics and you really have to realize that there's a gap between this news story and the next news story coming out and how much can change and how much influence some of those things had. So how much, you know, journalism 
had some real impacts at that time because it was the only way to get that information. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's just an interesting way to look back on some of that stuff. It also gives like, I mean, thinking like uh, the show you recommended, Pam and Tommy, it gives some like context to that and the environment that that happened in and how that's, you know, it would be a different scandal today than it would be absolutely then because yes. of how far things have traveled. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. You wouldn't have. I don't think the outpouring of anger for those two or for her in particular. I think we would also have questions about the guy who stole it, which yes doesn't seem to be. Which anywhere. at the time we completely ignored. Yeah, we were just like, oh, cool. Had no idea who posted it. Didn't care. Yeah, Pamela was a joke. That's all that came out. That's of it. all that mattered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, it sounds wonderful. It, yeah, it's great. And, you know, in like his all of his books, you can skip around. Like if mm-hmm. there's a chapter you're like, hey, I don't like I don't really want to read about the 90s rap scene. OK, I wouldn't recommend. I loved all of them. So I wouldn't say you need to skip around. But yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, for pop culture, I have got a show, a quick show, seven episodes, each Ooh. about a half hour on HBO Max. Nice. called Somebody Somewhere. Ah. This came out earlier this year. And if you don't know Bridget Everett, you should. So she's she's another figure, I feel like Lizzo, that's just a bright light mm. in a weird world. Mm-hmm. And part of that is she has been known as sort of a cabaret singer, a comedian, like a, anything that she's in, she elevates in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. And here she is the main character. And she plays a woman named Sam, who is a woman in her 40s, who comes back to her small Kansas hometown to take care of her dying sister. And we meet her a few months after her sister has died. Mm. And Sam is just sort of stuck. Um, She's still living in the town. She's grading papers at this super depressing test center. (laughs) She's very isolated. She has a family that doesn't really want to talk about the dead sister, especially Mm. the fact that she was gay. And then one day she starts talking to Sam starts talking to one of her work colleagues, Joel, and it turns out they went to high school together and they were in show choir together. And he remembers Sam as being this beautiful singer and amazing performer. And he always thought she would go out and do amazing things. And so he's curious about, you know, her singing and performing. So he invites her to what he calls choir practice, which is a sort of underground cabaret that draws a lot of gay folks, a lot of outsiders, a lot of misfits. And it's people performing, people singing. And Sam remembers the first time she gets behind a microphone how much she loves this and how much Mm. she wanted to be a performer and how she even created a demo at one point but was too afraid to share it. And how she used to have this voice and it's been sort of silenced since then. So over the course of the season, she embraces this new group of friends. Uh, She gets really excited about singing again. And she starts to dig into why she's been stuck and why her family is falling apart. There's her mom who's got a hidden drinking problem. There's her dad who's a struggling farmer and, you know, a very manly man who hides all his feelings. Mm -hmm. But it's threatening to come out. Her sister, who is a homophobe, but who goes on a sort of journey mm. that, that's really interesting. And I chose it for this theme because I think uh, Sam is the epitome of living through some shit, getting stuck, and then coming out the other side, potentially better for it. Might mm. be better. <laughs> I might be better. And it's not clean. It's not easy. There's still a lot of problems. Mm. But you see her blossom and you see her, you know, uh, gain more confidence in herself 
And I think it's super sweet. It's super funny. There's sadness, some really nice bittersweet sadness, and all the things. And I can't recommend it enough. It's a quick watch, like I said. You will fall in love with her. You will fall in love with Joel. You will fall in love with everyone at choir practice. I can't wait. And there you go. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, Well, I for my pop culture this week, I'm going to recommend a podcast. Uh, It's called Something Was Wrong. It's produced by AudioChuck, hosted by Tiffany Reese. And essentially, it's a podcast. Tiffany interviews people that now they're on the other side of a relationship and realized, uh, okay, there were some red flags. Like oh, these boy. things happened and then it escalated into this. And it's not supposed to be like a blaming, like you miss things. It's just this, you know, these were things I noticed after the fact. Yeah. So they their tagline is that it is a true crime docu-series about the discovery, trauma, and recovery from shocking life events and abusive relationships. So there's multiple seasons. Sometimes the seasons are just like one-off episodes where she's just interviewing one person. They tell the story. She kind of interjects. There's a couple seasons that the whole season is about one story because it was so in-depth. Wow. Um, one that I'm thinking of that stuck with me is a family who is suffered the uh, suicide of their father and they found out that the people that were their best friends forever they grew up the kids they were around for the funeral everything he was having an affair with the mother of that and she was so mentally ill that she had such control and power over him i mean he had given her money there were so many things and yeah it was insane and they interview like his son um his daughter-in-law, her, you know, the the widow, so many things. And it's really an interesting story. It's an interesting story to think about. I think our, our reaction sometimes is say, like, I wouldn't fall for that. Like, I wouldn't get sucked into that, right? But when you hear sometimes the progression or the buildup or sometimes the trust we give and just think, well, they're just having a bad day yeah. or whatever. It's fascinating. Um, I like, you know, the one-offs are great too because there's just some great stories stories in there some you know sometimes they're very extreme you know there's violence murder those types of things sometimes it's just a matter of like i got away from that guy thank goodness like or i got away from her thank goodness so really interesting crazy but also like you can't stop listening it's fascinating the idea of like a close call with true crime yeah you know yeah or defining it on a smaller scale than what we're used to yeah and i think that it i picked it for this because it's um it's 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 a lot but it's also kind of hopeful in a Mm -hmm. way because you're meeting these people on the other side and so they do talk a lot about like what they did afterwards to heal or um tiffany uh, the host does a really good job of always bringing up resources or books to read or things like that that could help if you feel like you're going through the same thing. That's great. So it's really interesting format, I think, to to hear about these kind of horrific things, but then also be hopeful at the end. Yeah. So it is kind of the embodiment of like, meh, I might be better. <laughs> But also, I feel like each of our things has talked a little bit about the storytelling that we do in order to make things 
makes sense. Yes. You know, because so many times bad things happen to us and they just don't make sense until we find some way to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that she does a really good job as a host of not putting the victim in the in the part where they have to like defend themselves the whole time. Because sometimes, you know, that can happen in like a true kind thing. Like, how do you not see that? Yeah. What were you doing wrong? Right. She does a really good job of of helping that person tell the story without it being in a like blaming way. Like, Mm -hmm. why didn't you tell someone why didn't you do this why didn't you do that i think i i would hope that in 2022 we're far enough along to realize that there's a lot of other factors that go into manipulation and abusive relationships and crazy events like that that it's not easy to see from the outside we don't always have all the context yeah and that idea i've i've thought about that a lot the last few years especially as we've been doing this podcast of like i would never get caught up in something or i would make better choices or whatever like i think it's it's another form of storytelling where we're saying like we're too smart for that or we would you know yeah. everyone else is kind of dumb and we would you know better understand that which is just lying to ourselves yeah. i think it makes me think <laughs> i don't remember if this was in college i think Somebody in a class one time compared like the human brain to like how squirrels hide nuts and then they go back. I know this is weird, but they go back, but sometimes they forget. And I think that we sometimes underestimate our ability to like just cut something out of our brain. Like we just forget. Like I buried that. I don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. Like we are so willing to believe certain people that hold importance in our life or we're told that hold importance that then we're like, meh, I don't have to. I'm not going to examine that any further. That's a good point. We hide it and then we forget that where we hid it and then we forget that we did hide it. Yeah. It's and then maybe sometime you stumble along it and you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Look at this nut. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm saying that, too, because there's stories of, like, parents that were manipulative, those in uh, in the podcast. And so it's that, you know, how many of us have, you know, we have some crazy family story we remember, you know, yes. extended family or whatever. And yeah. we're like, yeah, no one ever talked about that. Uh-huh. It's just the nut we buried. Like, <laughs> We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Or we remember it not one way. And then years down the line, the nut comes out. And you're like, wait, I see that differently now. Oh. Oh, that nut was actually like a bigger thing. Yeah. That was like. Okay, so that wasn't a nut I buried. That was a live body. (laughs) (laughs) Easily confused. Easily confused. Squirrel nuts and dead bodies so easy yeah mm-hmm. i constantly run against run up against that yeah i do yeah. I and mean, i'm always like where are the bodies <laughs> <laughs> well i think next steps for our listeners are to if you haven't already immediately go watch this video yeah i mean and then you'll say about damn time that I watched this. Yeah, we're saying that now, right now to you. It's yeah. about damn time yeah. you get on this train and uh-huh. go watch it. And then after you watch a video, if you haven't watched her SNL episode, go ahead and do that. Oh my God, we haven't even talked about that. No, it was amazing. It was so good. And you could tell even when people, like the rest of the cast was breaking throughout, it's because everyone was having a good time. So much fun. And I can't tell you how much I loved that Andrew Dismukes so was like much. paired with her every time. <laughs> it was like he found the perfect role for yes, him. Yes, which I would not have expected would be him. Did not expect that. But it was yeah. everything that I wanted it to be. Maybe what we should also do for our listeners, and when I say we, I mean me, because mm-hmm. I'll be doing this, is uh, including a few links to SNL, the, our favorite SNL clips. I think so. I yeah. think that's a good idea. That's yeah. a nice little uh, gift mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. listener. I know. I'm trying to think now. We talked about a couple of them. The orchestra one. I still watch yes. regularly. Yeah, the orchestra one was yes. great. 
and yeah. the uh, please don't destroy where she has yes, writers. Yes, that block. was the one. Of, yes. yes, that was one of my favorite. Please don't. They they do a great job. I'm telling you of integrating the host. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and they always come up with something you know off fairly weird and great. Yeah, I also like that in her monologue she chose because I remember a while ago we talked about the fact that she was creating the rumor. That she was with Chris Evans. Yes. And that she was pregnant with Chris Evans' baby. And then she chose her SNL monologue to double down on that. Double And to go for it. Down. And like, you are manifesting. This is what happens. This is yes. what manifesting is supposed to be. Yes. Because you're going to marry Chris Evans. Yes. And you're going to have beautiful babies. I don't want to give the lady, I think it was a lady, that wrote the secret, like, any more accolades. <laughs> but if she ends up having Chris Evans' baby, I mean... I mean, listen, Lizzo will will be able to then brand her own form of manifesting. Yeah. It will be something else that she can name besides the secret. And I will sign on for that. Yes. Maybe it's a cult. I'll be in Lizzo's I cult. I don't care. Yeah. Don't care. Every time you say Lizzo, I hear it the way that Cardi B says it in that song. Lizzo! <laughs> that's It always echoes in my head that way. I'm like, oh, that's terrific. I love it. I love it so, so you're saying much. I sound like Cardi B. Yeah. I'll I was take giving it. you Cardi V vibes. I like Cardi it. V vibes. Bi- Cardi B vibes. Yep. Woo. That's a tough one. Just B like B. 113. <laughs> tough to say. <laughs> hey, we're here doing the hard, hard. work. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers are hard. <laughs> work is hard. We're also, doing the hard work for you. I mean, we're recording on a different day. So it feels weird, right? right? It feels like we're sort of off. We Yeah. We're on a different day. We're at a different time than normal. Yeah. It, just, it feels a little strange. I think we came in a little hot because we were on oh, a different did. day. <laughs> Did like we came didn't in expect to talk about yeah. Supreme Court nonsense, but we did. Yeah, because we came in hot because we're coming off a of work week. Yeah, we're still in the middle of a work day. Yeah, and Which it's is weird. It's weird. It's weird. And yeah, I think all the frustration of it's just bubbling. Work it's just stuff bubbling. Mm-hmm. Just came. We came in hot. I do have one thing I wanted to suggest that we start Ooh, doing. Let's hear it. Um, and I, I learned this from my grandson. Okay. Just, just like within the last 24 hours. Okay. He has started when he comes into his room, puffing his chest out and oh. just yelling until he stops running. So he puts his arms back, puffs his chest out, and he's like, ah, until he gets into the room. <laughs> and I think that that might be the most genius way to enter a room. Could I mean, there be anything more confident? It, that is confidence. Like I'm coming and I know you want to see me. So I'm announcing my arrival. I'm announcing my presence. I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you hyped up. Yeah. You're your own hype man. Also, you have so much energy. You can't really slow down. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just yelling. It's not not words, not anything. Just yelling. And then just stops and acts I like, like this is everything continues as normal. Yeah. And I mean, think about if you did that. That's a terrific entrance. Now, how would we modulate that for an entrance here on the podcast? Because we people wouldn't be able to see us puffing yeah. our chest. I think maybe if we ran into the room, you oh, hear the footsteps. We had the mics yeah, on, and like then we just yell, get... so it's not right. <laughs> We're coming. We're coming in. We're Brads and Bucks. Yeah. It's episode one one three. Yeah. I think this is going to continue. By I the think way, so. the, the trouble. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that's a great idea. I love it. I've been thinking about it, how to incorporate it in my everyday life. And talking about Lizzo gave me the confidence to say, you know what? Yeah. I need to enter a room like I belong there. We need to channel the one-year-old. One-year-old and Lizzo together. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, until you figure out your own entrance, (laughs) in the meantime. Happy reading. I'm up again. 
same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're, they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor, the final evidence, the heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You, you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you. This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just. It's just fact. <laughs> and because now this is this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.